This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome to the Record Rangers podcast. I'm John McFarlane and today I'm joined by the Sunday Mail sports writer Scott McDermott. On the pod, Bruno Alves is the latest through the revolving door at Ibrox as Stevie Gerrard continues to restructure his squad. We assess the strengths and weaknesses of the current team. We preview the friendly against Bury and the European tie against Macedonians, and I don't know if I'm going to say this correctly, FK Scoopy. Scoopy. And with transfer speculation surrounding Celtic star men, we assess the current gap between Rangers and their bitter rivals. Scott, welcome back to the pod. It's been a it's been a while since I it spoke has. to you. You've been uh, sunning yourself in various locations. I don't know about that. No, I don't know about that. No, uh, great time in Toulon with under twenty ones. That was good, longer than expected. Getting to the semi finals, seeing a few good young players, some Rangers players, obviously involved in that. Um, but no, that's me back. My colleague. Uh, Gordon Models away on holiday now. It's uh, Sunday Mail colleague, uh, Big Gordy's away on holiday, so that's me back in the uh, back in the chair as such. People listening to this will be upset because they've got no one to abuse on Sunday if Gordy's not uh, filing his column. Exactly. Aye. <laughs> Don't ask me to do one. <laughs> um, okay. Well, uh, first point of uh, discussion, I suppose, is the the news that Bruno Alves is looking likely to sign with. Uh, Serie A team Parma, who of course we know well through uh, their excellent team in the in the late nineties, have been going through some difficulties. But that looks to to be one that's going to come uh, get pushed over the line in the the coming hours and days. How do you assess that move for both Alves and Rangers getting them out the door? Well, I mean he's played in Italy before, Johnny, obviously, so. It's a league that, that he knows well. There's an opportunity he's clearly come up for him to go back there. You have to assume that Steven Gerrard's spoken to, to Bruno Alves. I think he said last week he was going to wait until Portugal were out of the of the World Cup and then, then have a chat with him. It looks as if that's already happened and, and Alves has looked, at his, has, has looked at his options. From Rangers' point of view, it's a big earner off the wage bill. It might open up. Um, some funds uh, for another player to come in, even if it is, even if it is just a wage um, to get another guy through the door. Uh, overall, I mean, it's, I suppose it's disappointing because you think back to when Alves arrived. I think all the Rangers fans were were excited. We spoke about it a lot on this pod. He was, let's be honest, he was the he was probably the marquee signing um, for Pedro Cachinha. We always experience everything that he'd done in the game. Uh, no, we expected big things of him, both both on and off the part, really, because you expected him to be, you no, know, to be a top player on it and a, and a real kind of leader for Rangers off it. That that was certainly the that was certainly the hope. As I say, we discussed it so many times. For for one reason or another, it didn't quite happen for Bruno Alves at Rangers. Uh, the team that surrounded him probably didn't help. I don't think he put in that many bad performances on an individual level. Um, he missed quite a lot of games for, for various reasons. So, listen, Steven Gerrard's obviously looked at it. He's looked at the centre-halves he has, obviously bringing in uh, Goldson and, and Katic. Um, and he's he obviously feels Alves is, is surplus to requirements or won't won't be one of the won't be one of his first choice centre back. So if if this deal goes through, at least it's quick. It gets Alves off the wage bill. It, it should be a decent move for him going back to Serie A. So I think all parties will be will be fairly satisfied. 
Yeah, and looking at the players that are left in that squad, you've obviously got the two new signings in terms of Katic and Golton, who you would imagine are going to be the first-choice pairing. Uh, other than that, you've got uh, Ross McCrory, who a lot of people feel is best position in central uh, defensive midfield, yep. and Fabio Cardoso, who wasn't even taken on the Spanish no. uh, training trip. So... It looks to me that Rangers are possibly a little bit light in there and will actually need to bring in another centre-half. Yeah, he'll, he'll, need, he'll need another one. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I mean, McCrory, I believe, is a is a better holding midfield player. Of course, he can go back and play centre-back when required. Um, the young boy, Aidan Wilson, who was in loan at, at Dumbarton last season, he was on their, their pre-season uh, training camp over in Spain. So, listen, maybe Gerard's looked at him and thought he'll be a decent backup for me. I quite like him. He can maybe do a job, if not first choice. But with, with Katic and Goldson as the only two out-and-out centre-backs, with Alves away, Cardozo's already been told he can go. I think he'll want another one in. Um, no, probably a, a fairly experienced one, I would imagine. The, the only other thing I would say is that uh, John Flanagan has played as a centre-back in a three before at Liverpool. And from people I speak to uh, or have spoken to about him, he can do that job very well at either side of a, either side of a three. Um, and I spoke to a couple of people that were in Spain with Rangers and whether it was watching training or doing interviews, I don't know. But the, the sense that they got was that a back three might be a distinct possibility for Rangers this season which which would be really interesting I wonder if uh, similar to Celtic who have this sort of four back four but back three hybrids and I'll explain what I mean by that in that Lustig right back is not a sort of bombing forward attacking right back like Tavernier and uh, when Tierney um, is going forward they sort of switch to a three I wonder if with Tavernier on the right bombing forward that Flanagan all sort of become that third centre-back and it'll be very, very flexible between a four and a three. He could. I mean, Flanagan is he's more Flanagan's more comfortable in the right, even though he has played in the left. So you would need to take that into consideration. But I know what you mean. Celtic have been very flexible under Brendan Rodgers and if you've got the right players, no, you can do it, but you should be able to do it. I mean, let's be honest, modern football, you would like to think if a team's well-drilled enough they can switch from one formation to the next mid-game. And that's one thing you have to say Brendan Rodgers has been good at at Celtic. And you're right, Celtic knowing they've got James Forrest, who can who has actually you know, grown and learnt to, to play as a wing-back if required, can switch if Tierney's bombing on the two of them become the, the wing-backs. Um, Celtic are actually other players that can do it as well. Guys like Callum McGregor can fill in at left wing back and stuff. So that probably, if we're being honest, that that flexibility is something that Rangers need to improve on. They've not really had that, whether it be down to squad size or quality of player. Um, you'd like to think it's something Gerard will want to try and establish and then and then foster as the as the kind of months go on. But I just think it's interesting. Know that the that they could go to a back three, um, so you could be looking at a a Katic, Goldson, and, and Flanagan back three, um, obviously with wing backs and that ahead of them. But in saying all that, I think you're right. I still I still think you'll want another another centre back in. A back three would obviously bring out the best uh, in Ross McCrory as well because you've got a guy who's got a lot of pace, but he's maybe not the physically physically the strongest. So if you've got two people in behind him, yeah. gives him that little bit of cover. But I suppose if you're playing three at the back, you probably do need more than one new centre-half because you need a lot of cover in there. Um, but it does also bring out the best in Rangers fullbacks, who are, by and large, attacking players. You know, Declan John loves to bomb on. Tavernier, well, you know, you just have to look at his stats to yeah. show you where his and, strengths lie. And some folk, again, it's about different formations, different systems. No, automatically people will say, well, if we go three at the back, that, that, no, that'll be three, five, two. So what happens to the wingers then? Where does Candias fit in? Where does Jamie Murphy fit in? But if you look at a lot of teams now, England being one at the World Cup, it's almost like in a three, four, two, one or three, four, three, whatever you whatever you want to want to call it. So you can fit these guys in. And you mentioned McCrory. If McCrory does develop you know, the way that you would hope that he does, 
if you do have your back three and then you're going to have that sitter just in front of them, to me, he would he looks ideal for that role, almost in a, if I go back to England, almost in a kind of Eric Dyer type player in that if need be he can just step back and become one of the one of the centre backs. So there is options there. It's it's a bit of a fad just now the back three it's it seems to have come back into back into fashion. And I think Gerard will definitely be definitely be looking at it. But as we've said, we Alves going and Cardozo heading for the exit door as well, I think he'll definitely need another another centre half. Yeah, it's funny how football's so cyclical like that. You remember back in the, the 90s when yeah. three at the back became a really big thing. Uh, Martin O'Neill famously used it. Walter Smith loved it as well. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, it was one of the main reasons that uh, Alec McLeish had such a successful time at Rangers because he went 4-3-3 yeah. three, three, three at Rangers against Martin O'Neill's 3-5-2. And that was what really the, caused the, 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 the shift. The guys, yeah. yeah the, when they played like a Kinija and a Lovingkrans out wide, Celtic just in that period couldn't they cope with that because the 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 right centre back and the left centre back were getting dragged out of position and it created space for others and like your your debuters and Artetas and people like that. So you're right, it's kinda it's swings and roundabouts. I mean Scotland, Craig Brown loved a back three and you know, people were probably critical at that time, uh, of the back three because it was it was older, experienced centre-backs, guys like Colin Henry, Colin Calder with Tom Boyd. But, no, you look now, since then, we've not had a team at a, a major final, so is it time to go back to a, a back three? I think Scotland have, I think I'm right in saying, we've kind of tinkered, tinkered with it fairly recently, so it is coming back into fashion, and I think there's a, there's a real possibility, uh, even for the European game um, next week, that Gerard might might try out the back three and see how it goes. In terms of other departments in the the team, uh, midfield first, you've got um, Ryan Jack looking fit and back to his best. I think Rangers fans will hope. Uh, you've got um, Doherty, Dorans, Arfield, the new signing, uh, Elgaria, the loan deal from Liverpool. That's five central midfielders just off the top of my head without even talking about Andy Halliday, who we've got to assume is going to be more marginalised. Um, do you think Rangers need more in there? I'm not sure. I mean, of the names you've mentioned there, I mean, Doran's is still obviously a few weeks away, uh, fitness-wise. We hear this morning Jordan Rossiter's injured again. People were obviously expecting big things from him after the his decent performance in the last game of the season. So that's two kind of dropped out right away for these for these initial games. Um, so yeah, Jack, Doherty, Ejaria, um who else did we Arfield. say? Arfield. Arfield, of course, will be a, will be a first choice. Um, I, th- I think Gerald's whenever he's been asked about midfield, he seems relatively happy. I mean, Ejaria, obviously we've not seen a lot of him, just watching clips from... Uh, the Spanish training camp, mm. you probably don't realise how big he is um, no. for a young guy. I think you've commented this before, but um, he certainly looks more physical than I thought initially um, that he was. So he's going He's going to add that. I, th- I think Iaria will be given a chance to be a starter for Rangers. It's up to him, obviously, whether he takes it. But I would expect Iaria and Arfield to be in there. Are we With saying Iaria? Is it Ejaria? Iaria? Um, Do we know? But, but we don't know. <laughs> Go with Ejaria? Ejaria. Who knows? It sounds very... It's, it's very nice that you say it's Scottish. Sco- it's more Scottish. Ah, it's more Scottish if you say Ejaria. <laughs> so we'll go, we'll go with that. Uh, I think Ejaria and Arfield... I think you'd expect them to be starters. And in a Rangers midfield, and it's up to Ryan Jack, Greg Doherty, Ross McCrory, and that to go and to go and play beside these boys, and it'll be the same for Dorans and and Rossiter when they come back. If there's going to be an area that a team managed by Stephen Gerrard and uh, Gary McAllister should be strong in, yeah, you've got to imagine that with their of expertise of that position, it's going to be midfield. I just wonder if maybe Rangers are lacking that. And they certainly lacked it last year. That number ten, the creative spark. Who, when teams are sitting in that very, very low defensive 
line against them can produce something. And I know those are very expensive players and a lot of them are going to be out of Rangers' uh, zone of uh, acquirance in terms of finances, but I think that's something they'd really need to look at. Perhaps Ajaria is that player. He could be. I mean, he's certainly an attacking midfielder. Um, and I spoke to... I was speaking to James Fowler last week because obviously the, the new assistant manager at Sunderland and going in there, James obviously looked at a lot of videos of Sunderland from last season where, where Ajaria was on loan. And you know, right away, without prompting, you know, he he said he was really impressed by him. Uh, but by the games he watched, he did make a big impact. Now, if you'd have asked me off the top of my head, I wouldn't have thought, no, Ejaria had done that well at Sunderland's obviously they get relegated so you're just thinking poor results poor performances No, he can't be doing that much uh, to catch the eye but uh, as I say James having watched games in detail is convinced that, that Ejaria was doing a good a good job down there as an attacking box to box midfielder um, who liked a shot at goal and you know, had a wee eye for goal, so he could be that guy. Obviously, Josh Windass comes into that as well. We've spoke about him so much uh, as well last season in terms of kind of flattering to deceive at times. I think it's a big season for Windass, uh, with Gerard as manager. Um, but you're right, I still think even with them, they could still do a wee bit of creativity just off the, just off the front. Almost like what Nico Cranchard was supposed to be. Yeah. The guy that, even if it's someone in their 30s, who can come on with the last half hour, maybe his legs are gone, but yeah. he can open a door. Yeah, like a Maravchik, for instance. Exactly. So, so, something like that. Uh, yeah, you're right. I think they still... Listen, it's easy to say this. They st- I was going to say they still lack somebody who can unlock the door or come up with a killer pass that puts a guy clean through and goal or whatever, but... Well, I suppose Gerard might point to the fact that you know, Rangers were the top scorers in the, the Premiership last season. So he's already said in his interviews that you know, that area of the pitch you know, shouldn't need too much work. He clearly wanted the defence sorted out. He's done that to an extent, obviously, with the guys he's brought in. And Flanagan, Goldson and, and Katic, you would expect them all to be starters, I think. Uh, given their, their pedigree and where they've where they've come from, so he's obviously made that his priority. Um, but having watched Rangers last season a lot, like you did, I think they still need that wee bit of, that wee creative creative spark. As I say, just off the just off the front. Uh, I suppose uh, they also need a player who can stick the ball in the back of the net consistently. Uh, you saw Morelos obviously score. It was around 20 goals he got last year. Yeah. Um, I, think it, I think it was 18 in the league. But when you're at Rangers, you're really, if you're going to be a top, top striker for the a club of this size, I think you need to be banging in 25 goals minimum, don't you? Yeah. That's the expectation level. And the question is whether or not Alfredo Morelos is going to be that guy. There's obviously a delegation coming to Glasgow today from Fenerbahce, uh, led by uh, Damon Camoli, the former Tottenham uh, director of football. So, uh, speculation rife about whether or not he's even going to be part of the long-term plans. Yeah, I mean, Morelos is interesting just in terms of what Gerard wants to do with him. He obviously spoke very highly of him uh, when he was asked about him in Spain, as you would expect. However, no, there has been wee kind of murmurings, if you like, that no, Morelos's attitude maybe hasn't been what it should, what it should be for a for a few months at Rangers. Mm. Probably ever since he was pri- linked pri- with the prior to this season. To the, be fair, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, probably ever since he was linked with the the China move. No, the, the the kind of second part of last season wasn't wasn't great for him. So Gerard will have had a good look at him at the training camp, and by now will have pretty much made up his mind. I think as to whether he's willing to let him go. But if you do let him go. As you say, I mean, say only 20 goals, it's still 20 goals you need to replace immediately for for next season. Um, I like Morelos, I think he's got a lot to offer for a 21-year-old uh, who's come in for, for finished football. I think with the right manager, uh, the right coach, he can get better, he can improve. Is he a, is he a no, natural goal scorer? Maybe not. 
um, but he still puts himself in good positions. He doesn't give defenders a minute's peace during games. He's physical. He doesn't mind that side of it. Um, no, there's stuff to work on with him, but I still think he'd be, he'd be well worth keeping. But even if Morelos stays, I think Rangers' next signing has to be a proper centre-forward. I've said this now for a few weeks. I think they really need to make make a statement with a, with a big... I'm not, it doesn't need to be a big name, but no, a quality striker. Um, now, there's obviously talk about uh, the boy Umar Sadiq coming on loan from Roma. Seems to have done well in Dutch football last season. Roma obviously think think highly of him. Maybe he's the answer. Who knows? We've no we've no seen enough of him. I think um, I think the the word on Sadiq is uh, raw. Yeah, um, lots of potential. I, I spoke to um, a Dutch uh, based journalist last week about him, and really likes him as a as a talent, but perhaps not the finished article. Yeah. And um, although he's a big lad, I think six foot three, nearly six foot four, not a, a target man. You know, a guy with electric yeah. pace who's going to go in behind. So S- sounds very much like Odson Edward at, at Celtic, and it would seem like in a similar deal. You know, coming for a big European club, clearly not ready for Roma's first team. The same way that Edward is never really going to get into the, the PSG starting lineup. So and. No, that's. I'm not saying that's a. That's no the wrong way to go about it. I think Rangers are doing the right thing. If we can get this guy on loan, if he's that highly rated, with maybe an option to buy next summer, like Celtic have done with Edward, then it can be good. It can be good business because you're you're still buying potential. No, it's what we've spoken about for for months on here about buying buying cheap, uh, buying low and selling high. Um, Sadiq could come into that that category. I just wonder though, at his age and given his experience, and you look at Morelos, only been 21, no, I'd have just like to have seen Rangers go and get, and I know they cost a lot of money, a proven 26, 27 year old striker who no, can give you about everything. And I know, listen, I know that every club probably wants that, but there is guys, there is guys out there. Um, I mean, it was interesting in my own mind, I thought, at the end of last season, I thought somebody like uh, Mitrovic at Newcastle would have been good, having you know, looked at him at Fulham, obviously, towards the end of last season. But when you hear the numbers involved, it's like, you no know, Fulham are now trying to sign him for six million, the wages are you know, 50, 60 grand a week, whatever whatever it is. That's, you know, that's clearly out with uh, you know, what Rangers can do. But somebody in that mould, I think they need a physical... No saying a target man as such, but a physical striker, proven at, at no at a good level that can come in and hit the ground, hit the ground running. And the re- the main reason I say that is actually for Morelos because I think the biggest thing that Morelos has lacked is competition. Even when Jason Cummings came in towards the end of that least uh, towards the end of last season, there was never any real pressure put in Morelos. He was still going to be the first first choice striker for the big games and that was that was pretty much proven apart from the last old firm game I think. Um but if a if a if a proper striker came in the door um you no know, in the next the next couple of weeks and Morelos is suddenly looking at himself thinking I'm I'm gonna struggle for a start here, that could be the best thing. That could actually get the best out of Morelos next season. I suppose the Temptation is to think Rangers need a target man, like a good version of Eddie Herrera. But in actual fact, Morelos is kind of a target man, isn't he? Yeah, so you, you don't have to have that, that big physical player because Morelos, although he's not a giant, he does yeah. that for you. So perhaps it's getting somebody who, like uh, Sadiq, can get in behind. Yeah. Um, the player that I thought, right, Scott, laugh at me if this is just ridiculous. Okay. But Danny Ings, I know he would be big money in terms of wages but if you were to offer him a three year contract and really really bite the bullet in terms of we're going to have to pay this guy 50, 60 grand a week but if there's no uh, you know fee there you, you put that fee into the wages and do yeah. a little bit of what Celtic have done with Brendan Rodgers you know you're front loading it into the wages yeah. for, a, not, for a top quality yeah, player I'm not sure I mean you're right Ings 
scored at Premier League level. Clearly a very good player. That's why Liverpool bought him when they did. He said a bad time with injuries, so there's maybe a question mark over that as to how I know he came back towards the end of last season and, and did okay for Liverpool in a few games. Listen, if you're a Rangers fan, you're not going to say no to Danny Ings, let's, let's be honest, because he's a he's a decent name. It would be big money. He's coming for a big club. Of course you are. Personally, I just think they need somebody, and again, not a, not a target man as such, but just somebody a bit more physical, but who can score goals, no, powerful, you know, who's going to throw himself at things in the box, you no, know, just desperate, hungry to get to get goals. I think that's what they're, I think that's what they're lacking. What um, age is Mark Haley? And well, <laughs> honestly. If you could get if you could get somebody like that, then it would be then it would be ideal. I mean, another guy, and you can laugh at me, and even I'm not sure whether he would have whether he's really Rangers standard or what Gerard will be looking for to take them on to a kind of a higher level. But you look at the job Camberry did at Hibs last season coming in. No, clearly Hibs did well to get him because I mean he was at a decent club in Grasshoppers. No getting a game for whatever reason. But the job he did for them, no when nobody really knew anything about him. Uh, I thought he was excellent. Big guy, but didn't stop him getting about the pitch. Wasn't a wasn't he just a target man that you lump balls into, you know, was willing to run channels and as I say, you no, know, put his head in where it hurts to go and go and get goals and ended up striking up a great partnership with McLaren. I just wondered whether Rangers would have maybe I looked at him as being Gettable and affordable, um, and, and try to get in before before Hibs did the the permanent deal. I think there was some sort of deal in place already, which is Hibs took him for a hundred grand. I mean, it was bargain, real bargain. Yeah. Um, but I, I believe that if Hibs hadn't taken that option, he would have been over a million quid. Is that right? I know. I know Hibs had a deal in place that they would have been first first option. But speaking to Neil Lennon towards the end of last season, and. No, I, I, you need to take him at, at face value, but I mean, he wasn't, no, it didn't seem a certainty that Hibs were going to get him. I think they were worried when Camberry hit a bit of form that there was some sort of loophole that they might lose him. And I just wondered if Rangers could have maybe exploited that or, or maybe looked at exploiting that. See, I'm not 100% convinced because with all due respect to Hibs, no, it's probably a different kettle of fish coming to Ibrox and having to be the main the main striker and going trying challenge for a title and stuff. Um, so I'm not sh- no 100% sure he would have been at that level, but as I say, I think he would have been one that, that they might have considered for the for the money and, and given the job he did there. Well, as it stands, Rangers have got Morelos and Windash, really, as players that can play I know. up front. I mean, Eddie Herrera is obviously there, but again, he'll similarly not, he'll to not, he'll not be there. Yeah, similarly to Cardoso, you know, he's 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 not in the plans. No. It certainly appears that way anyway. Um so So they possibly need to. Yeah. No, it's So I think in, in answer to your point about Canberra, I don't think that's a that was a, a silly suggestion at all. If you look at these stat sites that are on Twitter about yeah. Scottish football, Canberra is one of the highest rated players of last year and certainly his stats from the point that he came in would suggest that he would be certainly worth a punt at the, yeah. the type of price that Hibs paid for him. So it's going to be interesting to see where they go. Obviously, uh, you've been saying for a long time on this podcast that Rangers need to go towards a more structured scouting system where they're looking at leagues where they can pick up bargains. And, yeah. and at least from that point of view, if you're looking at Umar Sadiq, if you're looking at um, the other player that they've been linked with, which is Lasana Koulibaly, yeah. Um, and if you certainly look at Katachu, they've already brought in. It's clear that that is happening under this new Mark Allen scouting yeah, system. Yeah, that, that's that's good to see. I mean, it seems to have. And listen, it, it was always going to take a wee bit of time to to get up and running. You no, know, the new the new scouting department. Um, and the proof will be in the pudding. Ultimately, these players still need to still need to go and perform. Uh, that that will be that will be how the scouting department ultimately is judged but if you take Katic as an example to me it just fits the it fits the model um, of what Rangers should be looking at now for every uh, Virgil van Dijk you might end up with a Fabio 
Cardozo that, that doesn't work out. We've not seen Katic yet. We don't know how good he'll be. The Rangers fans obviously hope he can become you know, what Van Dyke became it at Celtic, you no know, getting him in for just under two million and you go and Let's be honest, if he's, a, if he's a quarter of a player of Virgil van Dyke, then they'll, they'll be doing, doing very, okay. very well. Yeah. But, but certainly signing signing a guy at his age from a provincial club, um he's got appearances under his belt, he's already got an international cap under his belt. All the signs are good. He's big, physical. Um, the signs are good that you no, know, there's real potential in there, and I just think that's the markets. So those are the markets that Rangers have to be looking at. You no, know, whether it's Croatia, Serbia, Scandinavia, Belgium, Poland. You no, know, these provincial leagues where you can go and you can go and get guys where the fees aren't as inflated as they are in England or some of the other bigger bigger leagues. You get the players in, you develop them, you work with them, you get two or three years, probably max, out of them before the Premier League comes calling. We've spoke about it before. Scottish clubs, including Rangers and Celtic, probably especially Rangers and Celtic, have to take advantage of the fact that we've got you know, the biggest financial football league in the world on our, on our doorstep, basically. They're automatically going to, if, if anybody shines up here, clubs in the Premier League are going to, are going to look at them. Rangers, the old firm clubs have to take advantage of that, as, to be fair, Celtic have done with a couple of the players so that, far. That's so true. You look at Porto, you look at Sporting Lisbon, at Benfica, and how much money they've been able to extract from Spain. Yep. They're near neighbours. Scotland needs to stop crying about the, the English Premier exactly. League and start taking advantage of it. Because yep. it's actually... a they can be positive attributes to having that right next to you. The bet, Johnny, we spoke about it before. The best way for Rangers and Celtic to make make money is to buy younger players, develop them, make them better, give them a stage, whether it be old firm games that are watched by millions around the world, or Europa League or Champions League, where everybody's seen them. Give them the platform, make them better, and because England is on your doorstep, the value. Will, will rise no, to, to astronomical levels when you consider your Van Dykes and, and Manyamas of this world. So, if Rangers, no, Rangers in particular, we we know that they need investment. No, they, Every club needs investment, but Rangers, no, we keep hearing how difficult it is to get investment in and no, the money that they need to get back challenging Celtic, to get back into the Champions League. The best investment you can you can get or the best way of getting money in is by selling players for a huge a huge profit. We spoke about it when Morelos was linked to the move to the move to China. If you bought a guy for a million and sell him for eight, it should be a no no brainer because it's seven million pounds investment after after what, six months six months of player development. Um I think that's what Rangers really need to focus on in these these next couple of years if they're going to try and get back to Champions League and hopefully for, for their sake Katic can be the, the first of many Okay well we've got the first opportunity to see a lot of these new signings on Friday when Rangers take on League One outfit Bury um, and then going on to the uh, first European qualifier um, against the Macedonians uh, FC FK Skupi. Um what do you make of the fact that Rangers are playing Bury, a League One side prior to that game against the Macedonians. Do you think it's an attempt at playing a side of similar standing um, prior to the game? I'm not sure. I mean, I was surprised, Johnny. I must admit, when I first heard Bury being mentioned as a kind of first Ibrox friendly for Steven Gerrard, I was surprised just because you expect, and maybe maybe wrongly, you expect a kind of a kind of glamour. Friendly, or at the very least, a club coming up for England. Obviously, they've had Burnley and I think Liverpool themselves came up a, a few years ago. So, um, I'm surprised that they're, they're going in against a team at that level. I think Steven Gerrard is quite friendly with the Bury manager, so I don't know whether it was set up um, to be this way. I don't know whether Gerrard has deliberately, as you say, got Bury. Fully expecting them, even in a friendly, to come to Ibrox and sit in very deep. No, in Rangers, or they might have an agreement that well, that will be the case. Exactly, exactly. So that wouldn't surprise me if that's the case. That they just wanted a team 
he came in and sat sat in. I mean, it might not be great for the for the punters to watch, but maybe they just wanted that type of opposition because clearly that's what they'll come up against um, on the Thursday night against the, the Macedonians. He'll come in, defend the numbers, um, and try and get out with whatever, whatever they can. Obviously, try and hit in the hit in the counter. And Scoopy Scott, who's the star man? Well. <laughs> It's the it's the usual four two three one formation, I think. Uh, no, nah, I mean, listen, nobody knows anything about them. I've got yeah. a good story about this, right? right. Last year, uh, I just come in the door at the Daily Record, and it was Rangers against um, Progress Niederkorn, and it was like in my first week, and uh, I had to go around and ask the sports reporters <laughs> what they thought the score would be: Rangers against Progress um, for a wee video I was going to do, and the first person was Gordon Waddle. And he just said, I'm not answering that. I don't know anything about progress near a con. How am I supposed to give you a, a, an accurate depiction of the scoreline when I don't know anything about them? And I thought, he's been a bit tetchy about that. I mean, the Rangers are going to put at least four past this <laughs> <laughs> Uh So, yeah, I learned an important lesson early doors there. And I think probably that's going to stand us all in good stead because you just literally know nothing about this yeah, mob. So they could, be, they could be decent. They'll probably be technically good. No, even when Scotland played the Macedonian national side, um, it was it was difficult. No, they, they will have technically gifted players. You find a lot of these countries um, do have that. They're maybe not as no, maybe not as tactically aware, um, but certainly technically, I think they'll have a couple of players that will no, that will cause a cause a few problems. The other thing um, that we can say in terms of the away leg is no a lot of. Uh, Scottish football journalists have not been myself, but a lot of the guys have been to Skopje before when Scotland have played, and they've been at this time of year, and the heat Roasting. is unbelievable. Apparently, I mean, I spoke to a guy yesterday that said it was the, you know, to this day, this is an experienced journalist, but the warmest he's ever been at a game um, when Scotland played there in the in the summer. Um, so that will be. Difficult for Rangers to deal with when they when they go over there. Clearly, at this stage of the season, but the punters will be hoping they get a good enough result. Uh, obviously, on Thursday night, I mean that was a problem with Progress, is that they didn't put enough daylight between themselves and, and Progress in the first leg at Ibrox, and it proved to be their uh, their downfall over there. Because actually, the, the the Ibrox game was one of Rangers. Better performances under Pedro Cushina. I mean, it should have been four or five. Yeah, I, mean, were... I wasn't there that night, but certainly from memory, speaking to people who were there, the, the signs were all positive. People were people came away thinking, "No, oh, it was pretty decent," and Cranshaw played well, and you know, the signs were were all good, and obviously it unravelled for for their own. But these away ties, no matter you know who it is, are always going to be tricky. And I think, as you say, when you add in the the, the sun factor and the heat factor yeah. to that. It means that Rangers have really got to get off to a Very, good start. I know, Johnny. I know it's an old, I know it's a cliche. It sounds terrible, but there literally are no easy games now in Europe. We've seen it with our clubs. You see it at international level now. Um, even on a, a bigger scale, we see some of the shocks we've had at the, at the World Cup uh, this summer. No, very. You get very few games now. Maybe a Gibraltar or something. You're going to. No, get to score five. Like, or like the Red Imps. Yeah, exactly. That's that is yeah, a prime example. Point, honestly, I mean, I mean, we were speaking to, uh, we were speaking to Lewis Stevenson at Hibs yesterday. Hibs obviously play a, a team for the Faroe Islands in the the first Europa game. Now you just think Faroe Islands. It should be a canter. No, it should be just stroll into the next round. You just know. It won't be as simple as that. I mean, I fully expect Hibs to go through. I fully expect Rangers to go through. But but honestly, it won't be easy. And in, in Rangers' case, Stephen Gerrard spoke about getting to the group stages. A couple of the players have mentioned that the, the fans would obviously love it. But even in that next game, if they play the Croatian team, is it Osijek mm. in the next round? I mean, I think they beat PSV last season. So... That'll be a really difficult game. That'll be another step up for them. And it's not as if Rangers get a break between these ties. I mean, it's literally one week after the other. So, so the heat as well in Croatia yeah, is the same problem. It is. So don't underestimate how difficult it is to get to these Europa uh, group stages when you start at that first qualifying round. I don't, I don't know the exact start, but I know uh, maybe, was it one 
two seasons ago, I remember seeing a stat saying of the, say there was 82 clubs started in the first round. I mean, it was literally like Rosenberg were the only club to get into the group stage for the, from the first qualifier. So that's how difficult it is. Yeah, and I think if you look at who Aberdeen have drawn, the fact they've drawn Burnley, uh, it goes to show that the next round's going to even yeah. be more difficult in terms of the amount of talent that's out there. And if, I think Rangers all have, all have done what they've, it's been expected of them if they get past the Croatian site. Yeah, uh, that'll have been a decent, uh, a decent go at it. Especially when you think that you know Ibrox is likely to be filled both games, fifteen quid a ticket, maybe one point five million in gate receipts. Not bad. We yeah. we haul us if they get anything on top of that. I think they'll be doing if, pretty yeah, well. G- I think Gerard and the supporters as well will just at least want to give themselves a crack at it. I mean. The, the the disappointing thing about the progress game is, you know, it was so early. It, it dampened any enthusiasm at all, pretty much, before a, a ball was properly kicked last season. I mean that that was the that was the big problem. If they can at least get a wee bit of momentum, and get through two rounds, and give yourself you no know, get into that third qualifying round, then at least have a crack at it, as you say, get a full Ibrox again for a for a European tie. And you just never, you never know what might happen. Okay, Scott. As as predicted, as usual, we've gone over time. But so um, I'm going to have to try and uh, make this a, a short debate. But Kieran Tierney, lot of speculation that he's going to be on his way from Celtic. Dembele, there's been speculation since within six months of him coming through the door. Armstrong's away. Boyata's only got a year left, and there's a lot of chat about him uh, creating interest in Serie A. Are a lot of these Celtic players going to leave and can Celtic replace like for like? Can Rangers fans look at that, ask that question and see a chink in the armour there going forward? Because if Kieran Tierney moves to Everton, realistically, no matter who they buy, it's almost impossible for them to get a better player for the money that they've got to attract a better player than him at Scotland. So can Rangers look at that and think... Celtic's been at a very, very high level for the last couple of years. That is not something that they can maintain. No, what, what Rangers fans can look at and hope for with Celtic is that they go through a bit of transition and a bit of turmoil in terms of in terms of their squad and their kind of player pool because you know, that's been the huge problem for Rangers in the last few years has been... No consistency of selection, consistency of performance, obviously not enough quality uh, for for large spells as well. Celtic, pe- people would look at it in the face and say, well, no, is Callum McGregor that much better than Ryan Jack or Graham Dorans or, or whoever? No, is, is Stuart Armstrong that much better than a, a Dorans or, or whatever? No, maybe not on the surface, the point is that Stuart Armstrong has proved himself in the last two or three years at Celtic at a very high level, has went and done it at an international level, No, has performed consistently, so the value goes up and up and up. Rangers, for one reason or another, just haven't had that level of consistency. So what the fans can look at with Celtic and hope is that you know, one or two players do leave as you say, they struggle to get the same level of quality in. When they do get players in, how long do they take to settle? No, do they come, they, no, it's very difficult for players at any club to come in and just hit the ground running and get to a, no, get to a level right away. Um, so I think no, Rangers need to try and cling on to anything that, that, that will make them think they can close the gap on Celtic, and that has to be... That has to be one one aspect of it is the fact that you no, know, so many Celtic players are attracting attracting interest. Um, because I'm sure if you ask Brendan Rodgers, you no, know, he doesn't want to see two or three two or three guys go. I mean, he he speaks very well about you no. Know, if Tierney goes, they'll have to look at it and you know, use the money wisely. Obviously, Armstrong Armstrong's gone, so they're now looking at John McGinn, but just. Those changes, that that transition, just makes everything um, no as smooth as it has been in the last couple of years under Brendan Rodgers for Celtic. And that's not to say Celtic won't be successful as a result of it, because guys could come in 
and hit the ground running right away. Rogers could just get them motoring right away. Uh, that'll be down to him. But as I say, if you're a Rangers fan, you're probably looking across thinking, right, if we've if we're going to make a serious uh, attempt at this, we could do we could do with Celtic just being uh, being upset slightly in terms of their, their squad and the guys going out, new guys coming in, trying to get used to the, the environment, trying to get used to Scottish football. It might just help Rangers get a wee bit closer. So if you're looking at how this pre-season's gone and Gerard's targets, minimum expectations for the end of the season, how would you place that at the moment? I think we've said it before. I mean, they have to beat every other club in the Scottish Premiership. They, they need to finish second convincingly ahead of your Aberdeen, Hearts, Hubs, the usual challengers. And they probably need to probably need to go and win a trophy, either the, the, the League Cup or the Scottish Cup. Um, I suppose the Cups might be a bonus. I suppose getting that, that wee run in Europe at this stage of the season would be an added bonus as well. But the bare minimum, Johnny, has to be clear second, well, no, clear, clearly better than, than every, other, every other club. Because I think... If Gerald can sort out that consistency against the rest of the Premiership, the four old firm games then take care of them, take care of themselves. And on any given day, with an old firm derby or with any derby, you can compete and you can get a result. Whether it's a draw, or you get a you no, know, even if it's backs against the wall, and you can win one 0 Things can happen in derby games. Rangers' problem in the last couple of years has been beating everybody else. That's got to be Stephen Gerrard's number one, number one aim. And you get the sense that Gerard is having an impact. I've been quite impressed, I have to say, so far with just the quiet way he's going about his yeah. work. Uh, he's obviously a, a pretty accomplished performer with the media, and yeah. that's been something that's been built up over years as Liverpool captain, as England captain, and obviously his work for BT Sport last year. But there's just this quiet authority about him that I think is, is. is coming across quite well. No, he speaks very well. Uh, that will no be. I don't think that side will be a problem for him. Uh, I think it was a problem for guys like Mark Warburton, Pedro Cachina. I don't see it being a problem at all for for Gerard. He'll take that side of it and he's stride. I don't think he'll have anything to anything to worry about in terms of what he's doing with the players. No, it's strange because obviously, no, the kind of modern age you're now getting to see like training videos online, albeit it's just you know, little clips at times and and listen, we weren't privy to Graham Murty's training sessions that often or Cashinia or, or, or whatever, but the little clips that I have seen and I don't know what it is, hard to put your finger on it, but it just did look a bit more professional, a bit more thorough. Um it looked as if they were really working working their socks off over in Spain. And if you listen to any of the player interviews, um, I spoke to one or two uh, players privately just about how they're enjoying the new regime and they've been very, very impressed by, by how it's how it's going compared to what is what has gone on before. So that has to be positive for Rangers. That's that'll be what the punters want to hear. But again, the proof is in the pudding. They need to go and they need to go and do it in competitive games. It'll be interesting, won't it, to see how the dynamic of this management team works because Michael Beale was very prominent in yeah, a lot of these videos. He's clearly the guy that's getting his hands dirty and coaching the players. I think and Gerard looks like he's taking a yeah, wee step back. Totally agree. The way I look at it, John, is I, I fully expect Michael Beale, uh, Tom Culshaw, Jordan Milsom, the new guys that have come in. I expect them to do most of the, the training for Rangers. Um, Gary McAllister is a no, was obviously a great player, a great figurehead. Don't doubt he's a good coach, but he has still a decent player by some yeah, of the wee, wee clips uh, of him doing the training. But he hasn't coached. No, you wouldn't say he's coached at a top top level. Yeah. I think he would. No, he would admit that himself. But I expect him to be, for the guys I've spoken to, or people that, that know him, people that are close to him, one guy being Andy McLaren, who is really friendly with Gary McAllister, I expect him to be a, 
a very good number two for the players. You no, know, people talk about that buffer between the players and the manager. You no, know, I can see Gary McAllister as being, you know, a, a really good guy to go to if you're a player, if you do have a problem or there's an issue or, or whatever. I expect that to be his role more than the actual coaching. Gerard, I expect to be the figurehead, the manager, the public face, the guy who does that last ten minute team talk before the uh, or sorry, the last kind of five minute team talk before the, the team goes out. Um and the guy who the players you know they'll already look up to him because of what he's done in his playing career. No, that respect will already be there, but you're right, I can see I'm taking a, a backward step and being the guy who, well, for want of a better expression, the guy that the players fear mm. the most because he's the he's the gaffer, he's the manager. And behind all that, I expect guys like Michael Bielna to do the, the nuts and bolts of the training. I think that's the way Gerard wants it to be, and I think that can be successful. I mean, you need to remember, Gerard is still doing his coaching badges he was obviously in France uh, when I was there at the, the Toulon um, he won't actually finish his, his pro licence until next summer so he is still very inexperienced and I think I think this is the right the right way to go he's obviously brought a big backroom staff in but I think that's been the reason for it I think guys like Bill will do you know, the majority of the, of the coach and I think that was the case certainly in Spain uh, for the, the pre-season camp and I think Gerard and McAllister if you like will almost take a kind of back seat and be the, the kind of number one and number two OK well we're going to end there thanks for that Scott uh, it's all from us today we'll be back next midweek with more news and analysis from all things Rangers if you want to get in touch with us to continue the debate you can by tweeting us at Record Sports uh, you can tweet me directly at Johnny R McFarlane and you can tweet Scott at Scott McDermott 8 don't forget to subscribe at iTunes or Acast to get the podcast as soon as it becomes available and if you liked it please review and rate us on there too thanks for listening Your mind.